Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Christina Maslach, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me on. It's so good to have you here. Uh, you're one of the co-authors of the Burnout Challenge, Managing People's Relationships with Their Job. Christina, tell me, why was this book so important for you to, to wrap all your research and time around? Well, I've been doing research on this phenomenon for several decades now when I kind of stumbled across it almost by accident. And what I discovered is that this was something that people didn't talk about. There was a lot of stigma attached to it, but it was really, really important for them and their lives and you know the work that they were doing. And as people have been talking more and more about burnout recently, uh, although it's been around for a while, uh, what I've been finding is that people are, in a sense, focusing on the effects but they're not really looking at and thinking about what do we do about what's causing it. And so it's really important to kind of, I think, uh, change the perspective and, and make clear to people what is going on and that if you simply help people cope with the stressors that cause burnout, you're, you're being helpful and thoughtful, but you're not actually preventing burnout. And in the long run, we really need to create better ways in which we design the workplace so that there is a, a greater match and a greater fit between people and what they're doing and they get to thrive and, and the organization does well. You know, unless you're a superhero, I, I don't know how you've had a career without at one point or the other just having, you know, a, a stretch where you're feeling burnout or you're having the effects of it. What, what did your research find? What were some of the main causes of burnout? Uh, it's, it's a response to chronic workplace stressors that have not been successfully managed. And I'm quoting World Health Organization here as well on that. And a couple of important points. One, chronic stressors. Chronic means high frequency all the time, most of the time. And it, 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 we know from work on stress and coping that it is much harder for people to recover well from chronic stressors than from occasional, you know, or emergencies or acute stressors or something like that. You really need to be able to relax, you know, get back to your normal life, recover and be able to go forward. So chronic is, is one of the key important aspects about that. And then the phrase not been successfully managed, there is an uh, optimistic note there they could be managed. They could be done, you know, uh, taken care of in different ways, in a better way, so that they are less frequent or perhaps don't have quite the negative impact on people's lives and well-being and how, how they do their job. Uh, so 
what we have learned about burnout is that it is not simply a stress response to workplace stressors. Um, there is that, that's the exhaustion part of burnout, but that's not all there is. And I think people sometimes think burnout is just you're tired or you know overwhelmed with work. No, it's a, it's a necessary first step, yes. Uh, as a stress response, which all of us as human beings have, and thank goodness we do. Uh, but with burnout, there are two other things that happen. One is that there is an uh, increase in a negative, hostile cynicism, mental distance from one's job, you know, take this job and shove it, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing, uh, which means that people start changing how they're doing their job and then try instead of trying to do their very best they're doing the bare minimum what is the least i can do and get out of here still get a paycheck for me that's almost more the hallmark of burnout than simply you, you have a stress response of exhaustion uh, but then the third part is it's not just being negative about the job you begin to develop a negative sense of your own effectiveness on the job. You know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I handle it? Maybe I've made a mistake going into this career. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not doing well, etc. So it's that trifecta, if you will, of exhaustion, cynicism, and uh, professional ineffectiveness that really constitutes a full burnout response to the work. We're going to talk uh, in a bit about some of the mismatches that you found in terms mm -hmm. of some of these other ways you kind of the ways you can look at it on the job so you can see where some of these burnout issues are, are, are evolving or coming from. But one of the things I just want you addressed it there, but I just want to point blank ask you, there's people that I'm sure they're going to listen to this and say, well, no, my boss just says I need to work harder or maybe I'm not right. cut out for this job. But there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of personal guilt around feeling burnout, isn't there? Mm -hmm. There can be. Uh, there can be. There can be also a lot of anger. Uh, there can be uh, a lot of fear, actually. Uh, what we see often uh, is that people feeling like there's nowhere to go if I have questions, if I want advice, if I'm having a bad day uh, and just need a shoulder to cry on or something. Because if I'm working in, in an environment where it's uh, not supportive, it's you can't trust people, you don't know really whether they're going to throw you under the bus or whether they're going to, you know, kind of help you out and are you going to do that for other people so that kind of socially toxic environment um, which is one of the mismatches actually uh, you know the community uh, of people that you work in uh, can actually help in you know not help but I mean it engenders other kinds of feelings and that one of fear we were seeing even long before the pandemic you don't dare say anything that's uh, indicates you might be less than a hundred percent at that moment you um, uh, you know you, you don't want to ask for help or point out that you need some advice or you know get another opinion or something like that uh, you don't dare say no when you get asked to stay later work longer come in on your days off etc so it's it's there's a lot of those kinds of emotions that can uh, arise as a, as a result of this and right now I mean I haven't been to the office in a couple of years now in a lot right. of it. So, so there's this always on mentality that adds to it too, doesn't it? It can, and it can, whether you're in the office or not. Um, I mean, actually what we're seeing is a very mixed, um, uh, record, so to speak of how people deal with working from home or working from, you know, some other place. 
And in some cases, it's actually been better. They're getting out of that toxic, socially toxic environment, or they have more control over their work. But for others, like you said, it blurs this boundary, you know, between personal life and home life and work, you know, and, and your work life. And sometimes that can be difficult because you do have that always on kind of thing. But uh, working harder is uh, something we hear people complaining about a lot as opposed to working smarter. Mm. And I think another theme that we're really trying to put forward in our book is that there are smarter ways of doing things. It's not just you step on the pedal and just go faster, you know, kind of thing. If it's, if it's really not leading to better performance and doable, sustainable uh, work performance without, you know, all these negative consequences on the people who are doing the work. Let's dive into some of the mismatches that you define mm-hmm. you and your co-author. Let, let's talk about workload. I mean, that's yeah. you, you talk about culturally. You you bring up some stories about the the work culture in Japan specifically, but you can define some of these mismatches, and you can you can once you know the awareness, you can actually do some things to kind of kind of supplant that, right? That's that's the goal, really. I mean, if you identify where these mismatches exist, and we found six areas so far that they, where they occur. Um, they also are pointers for where you should go. In other words, how do we pivot and now start moving towards a more positive, you know, fit uh, and match between people in the job on this. So it's useful to sort of assess this and then, you know, kind of use that guidance. So with workload, the mismatch uh, very, you know, commonly involves work overload. You have high, high job demands, but you have inadequate or insufficient resources to meet them. So high demands, and yet you don't have enough time, you don't have enough people, you don't have the right information or equipment to get it done well on time, etc. So that mismatch of high demand, low resources, uh, you know, a better match involves how do, you, how do you make this more manageable? How do we get in what we need? How do we get rid of s- obstacles and stuff that clutter up, you know, what we're doing? Make it a sustainable workload rather than this imbalance of too much to do and not enough to get it done well. We're not going to dig into all the mismatches, but what are the ones that you think are that, that really caught your eye that, that, mm. uh, that, that, I don't want to say you're easy to address, but ones that you, you <laughs> yeah. know they're out there, and let's let's just all be very aware of it, so we can actually uh, curtail it when we when we have the opportunity. Yeah. Well, one of the mismatches that we see pop up uh, more often um, is control, and basically this means some kind of autonomy. You have some appropriate level of choice and discretion, and how you do the job, and make course corrections when needed, and you know figure out how to how to do it well. And we're seeing in a number of occupations, number of professions where that kind of autonomy uh, and control is being cut back or made you know, difficult or you, you, all you do is listen and do what somebody tells you. You don't have, even with all your training as, a, you know, as an engineer or as a, a doctor or something like that, um, you don't have much say about what you're doing. And that is demoralizing and, uh, you know, causes real problems for people. So again, a better match is what is the appropriate level of that autonomy, the control over how to do your job and do it well and take some pride in it. So that's one. I think workload people think about all the time, but it turns out that in, in many of the 
instances where we've worked with organizations, that hasn't been the big one. There's been something else. So another one I'm, that often pops up, as I've already alluded to it, is the workplace community. Uh, and if there's a breakdown of communal norms into a, this socially toxic culture where you can't trust people, people are, are um, you know, bullying each other, uh, harassing, you know, this kind of thing, uh, a better match is how do you get a more supportive civil, you know, kind of relationship among, among people who work together. And then I would say the other one that tends to pop up, and people often don't think about this, has to do with fairness. And this means really a mismatch is that there's somehow, there's, there's an absence of, of being unbiased, you know, job conditions, which means that whatever the policies, whatever the practices, the, you know, in, they're not being applied equitably to all workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people feel that, uh, you know, they're not being treated fairly like, you know, other people. So how do you get a clearer commitment to more even-handed and, you know, kind of honest decisions and actions? When people feel that things are not fair, when there's cheating, there's lying, there's all of stuff going on, this is where discrimination lives, you know, um, in, in fairness, this is going to make the cynicism really go skyrocket. I've been at, at Blanchard for, for nearly two decades now, and one of, the, one of the mismatches you talk about is one of the areas where I feel like our company can do some real good if we have the opportunity to work with them, and it's around values. If there is values. a values match, yeah. it's, it's just so hard to feel connected to the organization. It yes. feels you're feeling, you're feeling you're fighting the machine at all times. How important is, is values? And, and, and more importantly, not how important it is, but what can you do if you're in an organization that clearly isn't a values match, but that's where you are. That's yeah, you- yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, values, I mean, this is the mismatch here. We're talking about ethical conflicts and uh, moral dilemmas that workers have to contend with you know, uh, on the job. And how do you get to a better place of clear values and meaningful work? This is, you know, you're you find meaning in what you're doing, you're feeling proud of the kind of work you're doing. Um, so the values mismatch, uh, we often see this is like, uh, in some cases, this is, this is the deal breaker. This is the one where people say, I can't work in this hospital anymore because uh, I'm, I'm not being you know, treated well in terms of what I do. I, I only hear to essentially make money. I want to work with patients. I don't want to be treated like worker bees, you know, all this kind of thing. And they will quit and leave at some point, take a pay cut, go somewhere else saying, I can't, I can't stay here anymore. So it can be, you know, people talking about the erosion of my soul, you know, (laughs) in terms of what I have to do here. Uh, And and at some point, if not able to resolve it or change it, uh, saying, I'm out of here. I, I, I can't keep doing this. So it is, it can be a really, really, really important one. But it's one that also, as you sort of alluded to, is more difficult for people to raise, you know, as um, and talk about it at some level. And uh, this is where having some way of getting an assessment of these issues in a more um, confidential way uh, without sort of pointing fingers at individual people just to kind of get some of these issues on the table uh, is really important. And how to discuss and work on uh, what I'll, in a shift from a kind of a me approach, it's only me or what do I do, to 
it's affecting a lot of us. What do we do? How do we change this? Um, and when you get more sort of people kind of connecting around some of these issues, I think it then becomes easier to bring it to the attention um, of managers and leadership and say, we've, we've got an issue here. So the example of one, uh, for example, that we've seen a lot in uh, healthcare, particularly during the COVID pandemic, uh, people talk about moral injury. Mm. And what that means is it's that I have to do things that I think are morally questionable or difficult or I, I think are wrong, but the job is making me do it. I have to be the one to tell the people in the waiting room that they cannot go in and see their dying loved one because they can't, you know, because of the exposure to COVID, you know, and it's, and is saying this is, it's hard to do. It's, they, you know, you want the family to be there, or, you know, whatever, at that point, but you can't because of these other sorts of things. So these kinds of value conflicts, um, uh, those kind of moral dilemmas, uh, is is something really, very heavy, you know, for a lot of people to have to deal with. And there really needs to be a way to say, how could we do this better so mm -hmm. that you're not put in that kind of a position how do we communicate it how you know how do we um, take turns how do we you know find a better way in which we deal with the hard stuff but um, uh, have less of that injury if you will um, for having to, to having to work like that all right well this question goes out to those folks that are that are our dedicated listeners um, that are feeling burnout probably feeling overwhelmed but they they've made it this far into the podcast and and this is where we like to kind of mechanize some of the ideas in the leader chat podcast what would you do as a first step if you were coaching somebody if you're advising someone that they were feeling this way and they were feeling like um and they're trying to determine like why am i feeling this way but what can i do and they want to get out of this rut where do they get started Actually, you've hit on one of the issues that I was mentioning before about how people kind of focus in on this as an individual issue rather than a more social or communal organizational issue. And so the, really the thrust of our book is talking about the better matches between people and their jobs. Um, it's not just the person. It's not just the job, it's actually that relationship, the, those matches. And so often what we have to be doing is uh, f focusing more on not just the individual, uh, but on the other people with whom they work. You know, what unit are they in or the team or the kind of occupational job category that they have. Uh, they may not be, in, in many cases, they are not alone in this there are other people so it's more of a we problem and not just an individual me kind of problem and so it's one thing to do coaching which i think you know can do that but once you frame the question in terms of what is it about you and your situation you're not asking questions about that job environment and the conditions that meet maybe those chronic stressors you know, causing the problem. And for that, you really need to bring in everybody else who is, is perhaps uh, facing similar kinds of issues. So one thing I would advise is for people to actually connect with other, uh, you know, essentially who are, should be their best colleagues, uh, the ones who know the job, are doing what you're doing, work with you, uh, and kind of getting a better sense of how are we dealing with all of this. And this can be, has been harder sometimes for some people when they're not actually working 
in person, you know, during the pandemic. Um, but uh, if we're going to get at a better match between people and their jobs, it often means making changes or modifications in the job conditions, and that's going to affect a lot of other people, not just the individual. So uh, I think there's been a, a tendency to focus on helping the individual cope, which is fine, but it leaves out the other part of how do we prevent uh, or make less of a risk uh, of burnout occurring. And that takes uh, a broader focus beyond the individual. So we need to bring those two together. If that makes sense. Oh, it all, yeah, all of it, all of it makes sense. It's, it's all, it's, it's all great input to consider. And, and one of the other areas of focus we have here, you know, we have a lot of leaders that listen to this. Mm -hmm. And so there's so much discussion around um, the other side of this coin. You talk about leaving, but those that quit and stay. And yeah. so if I'm a leader, what can I do specifically on an, on an individual one-to-one -one basis? How can I help this process where people are feeling more heard and they're being nurtured so that they aren't feeling this incredible sense of overwhelm and burnout? Yeah. Um, there are, we talk about it in the book, uh, sort of three C's um, that we have learned about as we've worked with people and organizations on this kind of thing. And one of the first, the, you know, the letter C is collaboration and communication. And what it means is that I think leadership, first line managers all the way up, you know, to, to the top C-suite need to be in better communication and hearing from people what's going on and what are some of the issues and, and problems. Make them a part of how we're going to go forward and what we might do that would um, alleviate some of these chronic job stressors, these pebbles in your shoe that are always there, always getting in the way, uncomfortable, you know, making it difficult, etc. What we've been seeing, and this was true even before the pandemic, was that there was a lot more emphasis on top-down kind of thing uh, in terms of any changes or any kind of modifications or we're going to make it healthier here, here's what we're going to do. Not much input bottom-up or sideways or whatever, uh, so that when I've been talking to employees, they're often saying, you know, I've got all this training and do this job, but I never ever, none of us ever get asked how we might make it a little bit better. What are some of the things, could we change this? Could we have, you know, uh, a, a different routine here? Or can we, you know, get rid of, we don't subtract enough when people add things to our plate and can we figure out how we could do that? So that kind of collaboration where there is much more um, mutual conversation around what's working well, what is not working so well, and being able to say to your people, so to speak, um, we care about you're doing a good job and feeling good here and enjoying what you're doing and being proud of it. How, you know, what is it that needs to, to be changed? And what are some ideas? What are different possibilities for improving the match in control or improving the match in reward or in values or, you know, whatever it happens to be? And so... Um, that kind, we used to call it in past decades, walk around leadership, uh, where you're really out there, people see you, talk to you, get a sense of we're on the same page in terms of trying to figure out something better, something to improve 
uh, and on a sort of continuous basis. And that would be important. Uh, the other two C's, just while I'm on this, is one is customize. Whatever kind of thing you want to do to try and make things better, make it your own. Don't just, it's not a one size fits all. It doesn't work at all. It has to be customized to who we are, what we're doing, the kind of jobs we're, we have. And then this third one is a commit, a commitment to say, and we'll keep working on this until we get it right. And so it's not a one day thing. It's not a weekend thing. It's not a quickie workshop sort of stuff. It's actually putting something in place that people are all in agreement on and on the same page saying, yeah, let's try this because this might really help uh, us work in a, in a better way than we have now. Some great tips in there. I love that you shared walk around leadership. It's something that Ken uh, um, Ken's well well known for, right? The one minute manager, just getting out there and and connecting with people and and meeting them where they're at. So, right. Um, Christina Maslach, uh, co-author of the Burnout Challenge. If you could provide one idea, one vision, one thing as we kind of start to end our conversation here on the Leader Chat Podcast, what would you share with our listeners? I guess what I would say is that the overall goal that we have in all of this is to, uh, you know, create a better job environment that will produce better outcomes at all levels. Um, and so when the relationship, and you know, and I just want to emphasize that relationship is too, it's the workers and the workplace, uh, when it's functioning well, then the former, the workers are going to thrive and the workplace is going to succeed. And, and that's kind of the win-win situation that we want to be able to get to. If our listeners want to dig a little bit deeper into you, into your world, into the book, into the research, where would you send them? We, we now have a website called theburnoutchallenge.com. And I think that would provide a lot of background and other information uh, about what, what we're writing about and the message we're trying to get out. So I would recommend that. I love that. Christina, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for sharing your insights and, and taking a little bit of time out of your day to, to um, join us here on the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Thanks, Chad, for interviewing uh, Christina Maslach about her book, which I really love, The Burnout Challenge, Managing People's Relationships with Their Job. And boy, is this an important issue because there's a lot of people that feel that they're burnt out, they're tired, they're 
overworked in their own mind. And what she really points out is that it's not just about you, because a lot of people put the burden on themselves. What's wrong with me? And I must be this or that and all. No, it's a we problem. It's a cultural problem. And how do you involve other people that are, you know, co-workers, managers and all, and taking a look at this issue? Because if you look around and you have feel burnout, other people do too. So it's a really important issue. And I love the way she has her three C's if you're going to really deal with this. The first one is collaboration. How do you communicate with other people? How do you manage by walking around? How do you get people uh, involved? Because, again, it's not a me problem. It's a we problem. And then customize. How can you take a look at your own job and talk with your supervisor and all? And how can you customize it uh, so it works for you and and the organization? And finally, uh, the third C is commitment which is how do you keep on keeping on because it's an issue that you don't want to drop. And so uh, I just think it's a fabulous, fabulous thing you're doing with Christina that helping people to look at uh, burnout and deal with it and, and not you know, blame themselves but realize it's a cultural issue and involve others. Wow. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Christina. Boy, this is important stuff. Share this with your people. Talk about it in your own workplace, all of you listening, because it can really help you create a better work environment for everyone. Take care of yourselves. Mm-hmm.